Deep breaths. Deep, deep, deep mucus-free breaths. <laughs> Gross. That didn't sound very mucus-free. I'm sure the three people that are going to listen to this podcast are going to be grossed out. No, I'm just working the turkey through. Oh, it's turkey that causes the problem. No, that's your your misguided belief in tryptophan. <laughs> oh, it's real. Oh, it's real. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome to the Why Aren't You Famous podcast with your co-host. Thank you. I do feel welcome. Uh, I wasn't welcoming you. Oh, okay. Jeez. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I wasn't doing anything else on a Friday night. <laughs> During a pandemic. No, yeah, just kind of hanging out. So... Well, who are you? My name is Ellen Cherry. I'm a Baltimore-based sound and story alchemist. I think I'm changing my branding. Yeah, sound alchemist. What does that mean? Because song seems kind of limiting. So you're branching out. I'm branching out. Listen to that sound. Yeah. That's the sound of of you, Andrew Grimm. Sounds like a chair that needs oil in. That's the sound of your spirit whenever I ask you if you're okay i don't you know i I don't i don't think you're asking me if i'm okay Mm. i think you're i think you're judging my mucus (laughs) and and the histamines that are in my in my system right um (laughs) that's my chair chair. maybe in 2021 i'll be able to afford a new chair but who needs a new chair? Anyway, this is not... Where are we going? What's going on? <sighs> um, well, we had a little bit of a change of a venue. Instead of being at my house, we're down here in Baltimore at your place. Right. Um, at your secret hiding location. Right. Um, I've hunkered down with my um, two guinea pigs, rescue guinea pigs from the Baltimore... Shout out, Baltimore Humane Society. Mm-hmm. I rescued them, or did they rescue me that old little phrase that i think is very sweet only time will tell right that's true why are you predicting some kind of disaster is going to befall me and denny and lenny will have been like a cell phone will fall into their cage and they'll magically like use their little (laughs) tiny claws to like tap out a message to your phone's usually on so hopefully they'll get it to you yeah maybe but you'll be like like, what what does mean (laughs) what's her problem and like <laughs> she said even this gibberish <laughs> they they spend the whole time while i'm on the floor slipping away from shuffling off this mortal coil mm. by trying to figure out what their emojis look like <laughs> right there's no guinea pig emojis well this is unacceptable there's no guinea pig emoji i know it's sad right you when you type in guinea pig it shows the flag of guinea i think papa new guinea mm-hmm and is that how you say it papawa papawa Papawa. new guinea um and then a picture of a pig which guinea pigs are from peru so they i mean the (laughs) algorithm could at least show them some respect and show the peruvian flag and to drink peru (laughs) and to drink peru (laughs) um so all right so we've so far shown our um lack of cultural knowledge and not knowing how to say Papua New Guinea. Yeah. Oh, we thoroughly have tested out the pee popper filters. Right. Um, all right. So how you been in the last week? Um, 
I've been pretty good. <laughs> Why does your voice get so high? <laughs> I don't know. I'm great. I'm doing fine. <laughs> Everything's oh, fine. Everything's great. Um, it's been yeah. kind of a hard news week this week. It's um, well, it's 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 like every week. I don't know. Like some stuff happened and some things did, and I'm still. I'm now shopping with Instacart because I guess, you know. Well, I mean, what a luxury, first of all, to be able to do that. What a privilege, an amazing privilege. And thank you to the people who are willing to work at the grocery store and also um, are able to find employment in delivering your groceries. And I'm I'm glad that you have that. And I'm glad that you're taking, um, that you're using it to keep yourself safe. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, numbers are rising as they're going to. I mean, next week, I think, is going to be really bad. But we don't need to talk about the pandemic. Everyone already knows about it. That's true. They do. So let's talk about music stuff. Okay. Um, What music thing did you do do this week? I have been practicing my Bach. Uh Uh-huh. Speaking of mucus, Bach. Bach. And I did just today, December 4th, 2020, get that invention number four in d minor up to the actual playing speed of um an allegretto speed and it felt really good i did it once with with zero mistakes although i would say that it wasn't with a lot of feeling (laughs) it's a little robotic it's a little robotic at this point i haven't quite i haven't quite i haven't quite got (laughs) it into my hands yet you haven't been studying your english this week well my brain can only do one thing at a time Fair enough. That's not true. It's operating my brain right now. My brain is operating itself. And your body. And my body. So let's just give it a little break. Okay. We'll give it a pass. We'll give it a mulligan. Right. On this one. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Music stuff. I am not going to give up on my subscription service. I've decided to shift my subscribers into a new position. They got promoted. Oh, to executive producers and i worked on a new web page that is secret to the subscribers so that they can view all of the artwork that i've been making and videos and stuff because i haven't figured out a a really easy way for me to to keep track of things and so i thought this would be better i felt really motivated to do that um i did write a song that's part of the Eurydice project earlier in the week. Whoa. So I'm going to be working on that a little bit more next week. That's cool. Yeah. What about you? Um, well, since December started, I've been working on my subscription for December. I mean, it's, the subscription's all year long, but this year I decided just, I was like, well, why don't we just see how many songs I can write in a year? And... And that was like, I was doing like maybe two or three a month, which was the same as I was doing last year. Right. And then December hit and I I got to that point where, you know, sitting around in my pajamas for most of the day and then drinking beer and then watching, like binge watching House (laughs) just wasn't productive. Right. Sure, it was comfortable. I feel like maybe we've had the same couple of weeks because I wasn't, I don't have pajamas. Um that's a whole other podcast, folks. Whoa. Um, <laughs> that's why aren't you dressed? That's, the, that's the other podcast. That's, that's why aren't you famous during a pandemic is why are you dressed? Um, no, I, uh, I also have been like going through these days where I'm just watching just like the most terrible television and yeah. feeling really okay with it, but you know, sort sure. of like forgiving myself. But yeah, you did say to me earlier in the week that you, um, 
felt that you needed to you wanted to start taking yourself a little bit more seriously again yeah yeah starting monday i got up uh because my which was technically still november monday was it yeah oh well that's okay tuesday it, was the first day you know, of december it was a new week i wanted to get i wanted to hit the the, the ground running right um so uh yeah like my my usual routine was you get up around eight or so um you know in in my flannel pajamas go downstairs make some tea drink some tea because i'm not drinking coffee anymore which is one of the greatest crimes in, of humanity as far as i'm concerned um and um make some toast and then you know i'll piddle around like read the news and kind of you know listen to npr for a while and then you know maybe do some stuff and then like when i had students in the semester i'd grade a little bit and then i'd watch some tv and you know yeah and then the morning's gone but the, yeah and the next thing you know it's like you know four o'clock and, you're, and i'm thinking i should go out for that five mile walk i was gonna do and then like jacks up the rest of my schedule. So I just decided on Monday. I was like, no, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get up. I'm going to take a shower. That's the first thing I'm going to do. Right. And uh, then I'm going to put on one of my suits. And we're going to go downstairs and collect some cat hair on the suits while I'm sitting there. And, you know, I'm just going to start doing work. So right. um, I just started writing a song every day in December so far. And I know it's only December 4th, but I really started on November 30th. And... Um, yeah, I've written a song. I wrote five songs this week, produced them and recorded them and posted them. And, um, you know, I, I did a rehearsal with the band and we, uh, have a video shoot coming up next week for a, a long form concert video Nice that we're going to do. And, uh, yeah. So it's just been like a lot of music this week and a lot of just like kind of getting back into the groove of things, mm-hmm. trying to be creative. Yeah, I mean, I think it's not only just like the end of year thing, but uh, both of us are facing the reality of that. I think it's sort of um, preemptive to think that live performance is going to return by the summertime. Yeah. So I think that accepting that reality is one of those wonderful moments in time when you can be like okay well what is the shift going to be but i have to be honest like the thinking that i've had for the last couple weeks is that i don't necessarily know if i want to return sure to it in the way that i was doing it before um well we we can do whatever we want that's like the that's what a luxurious luxurious thing to say but that's true i can do whatever i want i'm not tethered by i'm not tethered by anything really sure I mean, maybe Denny and Lenny. Well, we're we're at the we're, we are at a point where the industry before the pandemic really defined how you did things. You had to do this. You had to do this. You had to do this, and in order to be to get whatever people's attention or whatever. But now everything is just so decentralized and disrupted. This is like a perfect segue into my essay. Cool. Because like when because now we can do whatever you know no you can make your own rules, like you can make up your own schedule what you want to do. I was already doing only like four or five Baltimore shows a year when the pandemic hit, and I'm like yeah I'm, well, I'm going to continue that, but also I don't care. <laughs> like the competitive spirit I had about like oh this person this national person coming through I really like to open for them or I really want to you know I don't even man I don't care. Like, if somebody wants to call me and offer me some shit, okay, great, I'll do it. But, like, other than that, I don't care. 
I can go at my own pace. Good. I, I'm writing my own ticket. Like we can all do it. Well, I'm, I'm, I don't know if everyone feels that way. Oh, who cares what they feel that way? <laughs> this is going to be our most cynical podcast ever. Well, wait till you hear my essay. Well, let's go for it. Let's. So, dear listener, which is probably Jim Baker. <laughs> hey, Jim. Hey, Jim. What's up? Um, thank you always for listening to us <laughs> and, and supporting us. You're a wonderful person. Um, but if you're not Jim Baker, thank you also for listening yeah. this far. If, I don't if, know if, if you, you can... clicked on one podcast over and you, you <laughs> accidentally got us, I swear it's worth it. It is. We're just, this is, we're just, ha- this is like what it sounds like to exist sometimes. Um, we are in this season four of our podcast, Why Aren't You Famous? We are returning to our original form, which is that each of us writes in a short essay between three and five minutes and about a certain topic. And then we surprise each other when we hear it. And so I'm looking forward to hearing Andrew Grimm's essay. And the subject that we chose last week for this week's episode is voice. Mm -hmm. And it had arisen out of a conversation about like, should artists be political? Should the, should art, which, you know, like, I think we discussed that even in the first season and have been discussing it. Yes, of course, artists should be opinionated and should oh, be yeah. participating in in social change. Um, in And art is an effective way right. to communicate social change and justice ideas, um, both on like a micro level and on a macro level. So I'm looking forward to hearing your essay. Let's listen to it now since we listened to mine first the, the last two weeks. Let's listen to yours now. Okay, first. sounds good. The Artist's Voice There are two moments from the song Be Afraid on Jason Isbell's latest record Reunions where he directly addresses the importance of an artist's voice. And we don't take requests, we won't shut up and sing. Tell the truth enough, and you find it rhymes with everything. And if your words add up to nothing, then you're making a choice to sing a cover when we need a battle cry. The fire and independence in those declarations speaks loudly to the long-ranging, albeit relatively young, argument that artists, musicians in particular, should not express their personal, political, and social beliefs in their songs. What the fuck is wrong with people who believe this dumb idea? The whole point of art is to distill pure emotion and experience from our lives into a moment that speaks to people, to share an idea, to comfort people in their loneliness so they will know that they are not alone. We might own our experience and our relationship with our pain, but we don't own that pain. We are not singular in our daily, weekly, monthly, yearly journey. Let me quote another artist, good old John Donne, No man is an island. If for nothing else, this is exactly why musicians should voice their beliefs in their songs, because it is their experience, and in writing a song about what they've seen and felt is their way of owning it. And when they put it out, it has a long reach to a lot of people who can relate. The whole point is to be heard and understood James Baldwin said it best in his short story, Sonny's Blues. For while the tale of how we suffer and how we are delighted and how we may triumph is never new, 
it always must be heard. There isn't any other tale to tell. It's the only light we've got in all this darkness. I don't want to seem like I'm being dismissive to folks who get irked by Bruce Springsteen singing about the ghost of Tom Joad or Lucinda Williams singing about a man without a soul. So in the tradition of group therapy and couples counseling, I'll use some I statements. I guess those people didn't listen carefully to the lyrics. I guess those people aren't trying to think as much as they just want to tune out. I'm thinking that empathy is not high on their list of important character traits to develop. I'm also willing to bet that their imagination was snuffed out by the gross homogenized repetitive Disney gruel children are force-fed from the moment they exit the womb. I strongly suggest that those people form their own bands and not speak their minds. I'm betting that these people also talk loudly during shows, and with that, I think they should shut up and listen. As an artist, I've stuck to writing quasi-amorphous love songs that, if you look carefully, you'd find that I'm subconsciously mining my personal experiences about love, loss, suffering, triumph, and whatever else rings true to the human condition. I've never been overtly political until the last record I put out in October, A Little Heat. I wrote it very quickly, and it was largely a reaction to what was happening around me during the initial start of the COVID-19 pandemic. I was angry that the government, whom we all collectively pay through our taxes, was doing the bare minimum to financially help independent businesses and regular people caught in the economic crossfire from living in a lockdown situation, while creating a host of mixed messages about public health that ultimately allowed the virus to spread unabated. And as of this morning, December 4th, 283,000 Americans have died, and now the rate is averaging to a person dying every 45 seconds. So at the outset of the record, I was writing about what was real, and I wanted to use my voice. I wanted to connect to people who probably felt and still feel disconnected and isolated while getting the same information I was. When the record came out, one reviewer said this. Grimm can get edgy when he sings about money. He has one song that's definitely not radio fodder. Some listeners won't agree with everything Grimm sings about, but they should listen to the music and performance. It's all done strikingly. Nothing is addressed that taints the material, though that could be a tightrope for an artist. You don't want to alienate an entire audience. Despite as what he said... He threw some sucker punches. Grimm isn't Pete Seeger, Phil Oakes, or Joan Baez. You know, he's right. I do get edgy. Because money is a motherfucker. When I read those lines, all I could think was that it really doesn't matter if I alienate that audience. A. I don't sell a lot of records. I rarely sold more than 100 tickets for a show, and my Spotify year-in-review numbers were pretty low. So what are they going to do? Not buy my records, not go to my shows, or not listen to me on Spotify? I fail to see the threat. B. If they don't like what I'm writing about, chances are I'm not going to convince them. Ever. And that fact shouldn't preclude me from writing to my experience in putting out records or performing live. Why would I abandon the promise of connecting with one audience because I might alienate another? 
why don't I just stay home and binge watch a bunch of Disney films then? The point is that an artist has a responsibility to their voice. However they come into contact with life, it is their responsibility to tell the truth to that experience. And their art is the delivery system to the public. And by public, I mean other human beings, messy emotional beings who are looking for some light, especially in this current darkness. We might have to pause because there's about to be a showdown between Denny and Lenny. So during during my essay, you're just watching Lenny and Denny throw down. <laughs> okay. No, just that the I, end. I, I guess it's fair because my cats are usually bothering us while we're right, trying to exactly. do something. Um, it's interesting. A great essay. Thank you. It's I I I felt that you were being very edgy. <laughs> Yeah. Your voice had an edge to it. I'm edgy. Like, I had a close relative once tell me um, 25 years ago, very close relative say, um, why can't you just do your job and be happy like everyone else? That's right, man. And um, I was just like, I totally internalized it. I was like, why can't I just do my job and oh, be wow. happy like everyone else instead of being like, screw you. Yeah. <laughs> um. And then I had another close relative say this was centered around the Dixie Chicks um, when they criticized George Bush. Oh, yeah. And um, or said that they were not they proud. They were ashamed of them. They were ashamed, yeah, yeah. Um, to, to share statehood yeah. citizenship with him. Yeah, because he's not from Texas. Well, he's not real. I mean, his family is more like Maine. They're yeah. like more like Mainers, I would say. Yes. More than Texans, but Kenny Bunkport. Yeah, people are gonna get pissed about that. Ooh, um, snap. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> the whole shut up and sing thing. Um, you had a lot of literary quotes in there. It was a lot of um, a lot of uh, James Baldwin and John Donne quoting, and I thought it was very teacherly of you to bring that side of your personality into your essay. It was great. The uh-huh. other thing that I wanted to comment on is that I also looked at my Spotify summation, which we, everyone who's an artist on Spotify gets your summary this week. Sure. And it's one of those things where you're just sort of like, you know, you're skipping down the sidewalk and you like (laughs) got plenty of sleep and you like put your best shirt on and you're like, you walk past a plate glass window and you realize like, I forgot to put on pants. (laughs) And then you're suddenly just feel so sad for yourself. Yeah. Because mine was very, very, very disappointing. I put out a record on April 1st. I, I know that you put out a record um, in October. Yeah. Um, but the, like, I occasionally look at Spotify and I'll go and listen to my own record there just to, to see how it's doing. Right. But I don't ever dig into the analytics. And when I got that, I was just like, oh, it's like less than 100 yeah. plays yeah and i've been talking about that record for eight months yeah i did a whole i did 10 weeks of promotion for that record every week i don't know what to do and 
I mean, I guess, and then I'm, I try to convince myself that it doesn't matter, but it does matter a little bit because that is one of the fields that I'm trying to play in. I'm trying, I am trying to reach a wider audience with the, the things that I write. And I, I have always sensed that there's a difference in the way that we approach things that way. Mm. Um, I think that you are deeply committed to expressing yourself no matter what. And I, and so you put material out mm-hmm. and you just like continue, like it's not impulsive, it's, you're dedicated to it. Yeah, it's a craft. And my process with putting music out is that I am, and this is why it's been really hard for me, I think during the pandemic is that live performance is gone and it probably will be gone for me for at least another year, live in-person performances. Mm-hmm. And it's because my MO is the chemistry experiment of like, I put the song out there and I wanna know what the reaction to it is. Right. And live performance gave me that in real time. And so, um, so back to the, the, the thrust of your essay, which mm. is that should, you know, the, the original topic that we had settled on was should artists shut up and sing and then we changed it to voice because it was a little bit broader. Um, or just a little bit more open to interpretation. Sure. But I, I've always been of the mind that I feel like it's it's even a higher level of responsibility. I think artists are supposed to respond yeah. to things. Well, but I think that it's not just like, it's not just that should they or shouldn't they. It's, I think it's kind of like part of our higher calling. That's, that's um, I wanna speak in broad terms. But, and I, uh, of course, you know, I, I have a hard time including myself in, in, in some of this categorization of it, but there are things that artists can do that other people can't. And it's, it's actually de- uh, in, a, in a sense of communication. When I think of poets, like I could never. Yeah, man, when you read a good poem, oh, it's my just like. Lord. That's Emily Dickinson said. I know it's a poem because it took the top of my head off. Right. And I, to me, I'm always like, I reading a good poem is just like, man, I can't believe the words they used or how, man, how do they, God, how do they fucking figure that out? I have no idea. And it's like seeing a sculpture out of marble. But they 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 can do what other people can't, and they can communicate to people who might not be able to communicate it, or you know, they might not be able to say it, but they'd definitely be able to understand it because there's there's common ground to be found. Right. And it, it's a very, you know, micro view. Like, you know, good art zeroes in on specific details that then extrapolate and are like, well, holy shit, I can't believe you connected all those things together. That's amazing. Yeah, it does. Exp- it explains things without explaining. Right. And so when we when we think about like how we you know, the, the purpose behind those things or, or why we do what we do, it's, it's, it's the only reason that art exists. It's the only reason that art exists is the, to communicate what we are feeling or how we are reacting to what is going on around us or what's going on within us. Yeah. But, you know, without that, it's like, okay, well, and, and here's why. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, we, we discussed that, I think, pretty in depth in that one essay that we did, Art versus Commerce. Yeah, with, yeah, I, I, my, my Kesha essay, which I was particularly proud of. 
I love that essay. That floating dead tiger shark <laughs> in formaldehyde. Oh, yeah, yeah the Damien Hurst. Damien Hurst, yeah, sure. that guy. I used to teach that stuff in high school. Like, that was one of my... Uh, when we, I was the only teacher in Carroll County that taught Picture of Dorian Gray. <laughs> and because he has that whole thing about like you know what is art and all this other whatever and at the very beginning of the text and uh and so i you know the assignment was for them to to go out and find an example of art to to kind of discuss and apply the rules to and to see if man there used to be a great one at the baltimore museum of art in the contemporary wing i can't remember i don't know if it's still there but there's a green lacquered disc that's up Mm -hmm. on the wall oh yeah 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 yeah. it's just it's way out of reach and it's like well, it's just like a, it looks like a child's table that the legs were taken off of and somebody glued to the wall. And I remember like, I spent like, cause I go to the, whenever the museums are open for the last 20 years, like just going as much as possible. And I would go into that wing and just like, I love the contemporary wing. I love contemporary sure. art, but I would see that disc and I'd be so pissed off. <laughs> be like, why is this? Art and then I, so like one day oh why we discussed this yeah, in season one too like yeah. I looked up the definition of art in the dictionary and it said making special and I was like it's more than that it's more than just making special it's communication it's communication yeah totally. um I don't know how to feel about the review that you read I didn't read that review of your record yeah but um, try not to to worry too much about other people's opinions oh, except man, for mine so except for mine you can worry about my opinion <laughs> i it, it, no offense to the reviewer but i it has not stopped me from anything that i do yeah. like i i wholesale ignore all that stuff now. i mean i of course i like praise because who doesn't well nobody but at the same time it's like I, I, I also want to appreciate the fact that there's people who listen to music and want to critique it yeah for the sole purpose of like most music reviewers in my understanding are not going to just like downright trash somebody. If it's not good, they're not going to review it. Right. But they are there to help be a gatekeeper for us. And that's been, you know, something that's like a prize to be one is being reviewed by somebody who is a music lover. And like, that's what they've dedicated their lives to. So, you know, I don't, I don't ascribe to the concept of like even bad presses, is press right because it's uh, we're sensitive people so we yeah. internalize it and it affects the way that we proceed it definitely you know it affects the way that i would proceed um and then i'm almost suspect of good reviews sure like i'm just like wait well you know you, you read those ones that are like basically your own press release and you're like oh, okay <laughs> You know, yeah, that's just like, did you, did you really listen to it? Just, well, but I also, I, they're on repeat repeater yeah, before we get to your essay, because I want to get to your essay. Um, thanks. Yeah. The one thing I think about that stuff is like, and, and this is also the shut up and sing thing. It's like, I, I was talking to somebody about, I, I think I was talking to Andy Bob about it at one point. We were talking about music and I said, uh, I said, well, you have to evaluate all the things that are in your life and the ones that are, that you have to balance. But then there's all this other stuff that like, well, you're getting in the way of what I want to do. Like, I, I don't have time for, I don't have time for reviews telling me I'm controversial on something. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't have time uh, for any of that. And I, and I don't have time for people to tell me to shut up and sing. Cause like, I don't, so there's what? A, yeah. There, I mean, like, there's a difference. The, the shut up and thing, shut up and sing thing to me is like censorship 
Whereas being reviewed, I actually think can be beneficial because we do need external critique. And I don't. Okay. <laughs> I think it's I think it can be very beneficial because for sure, me, I would look at that and go defiantly I'm gonna prove you wrong and practice even harder yeah. if it was a bad review. Or if it's a good review, I wanna figure out why everyone doesn't feel that way. Right. Like why isn't everyone just like salivating over the thing that I just produced and like this person is right what's their motivation or what's the difference or who is that natural audience that this person represents that I need to like seek out because you know people who like um BTS are not going to enjoy my well they may but like It, it wouldn't if they're passionate about Korean pop music. I don't think Ellen Cherry's music is going to be their go-to place, and that's okay. I should I wouldn't market to those people. No, but I also wouldn't expect them to like review what I've done positively because it's not it's not for them. Well, I think I think a lot of those. I, I can't speak. I'm gonna say some things, and I'll apologize later. We, can't, if I have, we to. have to really be careful about the the Korean pop well, I'm just um, saying, like, market because they would. But that's the, I, I'm I'm not going to be careful because those people live in an alternative reality. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, BTS does some really nice things about the you know Twitter takeover or whatever, and that's really great. Or, or however that works, but that's an escape. That's a whole alternate world where BTS is the end all be all of everything, and so therefore. That's fanaticism. Okay, yeah, but see, the thing is that, like, some people are using music for escape, and this just made me think about the fact that, like, there are some artists, there's a young woman artist who's very, very famous, and she, in as she's aged, has realized that she has power. I think she always knew that she had power, but she didn't want to offend anyone. And now that she's starting to gain some wisdom and some age, she's starting to realize that like she can actually use her power to affect positive change, especially for people that are her gender. That's true. You know, so it's, I don't know. I hope Taylor Swift just shuts up and sings. (laughs) I'm tired of hearing her like four political points. (laughs) Anyhow. Um, it, from, her, should, from her mansion. We um, should, I mean, <laughs> she did get there. She did get there. Yeah, like it took a while. Yeah. And it's surprising because I, I mean, I was protesting the first Iraq war my freshman year of high school. And so like for me, and. You're so liberal. Progressive is the word I would prefer. Progress. You're so feminine. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Feminine or feminist? You're feminist. Isn't that the same thing? No. You would uh, think so. Um, I would because I'm a white male. <laughs> thundering across the landscape. It's a, it's surprising to me. Sleeping where I fall. That somebody would be so apolitical for so long knowing the power they have. But I also understand that I don't have any concept of how much money is involved in that whole machine. Yeah. And that there's a lot of people who are willing to protect you from information and to, to construct your reality around you right. so that they can continue to make money off of you, which is what I suspect happened to yeah. her specifically. All right. We're just, it's already like, how long have we been we're, doing We're this? good. We're, we're fine. We have plenty okay. of time. Let's go ahead and get to your essay. I might have to edit it and make it a little shorter to fit in. Is that <laughs> yeah, cool? Sure. Just cut off the first four and a half minutes. Okay. We'll do.
It feels right to me to say that about 15 years ago, this hustle of being a performing musician began its transformation into a souped-up, overhyped, constant content-producing type of life. That's around the time that I started using social media. First it was Friendster, then MySpace. Later, I see that I became an unpaid and accidental workhorse for the Facebook and Instagram machines. When I take a break and am at a distance from these grinders, I visualize how it's like watching my leg go into a wood chipper. It seems to eat away at time as though it's devouring my actual physical body. I start to see how my participation, even passively, is feeding that machine. A machine that offers me much in terms of distraction, but not much of real sustenance. I'm still not sure what the machine produces except for more money for some people who already seem to have a lot of money. And I do concede that this may just be because of the way that I tend to interact with these platforms. Yet, I remember when social media felt like it could be an amazing megaphone, having the potential to amplify the quiet voice of an independent artist. When I started my career, which I didn't know was going to become my career, in 1996 or 97, it was simply a vocation, a calling. I felt I had some things to say, mostly to myself, but I started by singing these things to other people. In the early 2000s, I had the dream that a lot of songwriters have, which is that I was somehow magically going to get picked up and signed by a record label and have a six-album development deal, that I would be fostered by mentors through the business and connected to other amazingly talented people who would guide me. This dream lasted about five years. Around 2005, it seems to me that the internet and compressed audio files started to sculpt the landscape that none of us, the content creators, had the power to shape, but were expected to learn quickly to traverse. A new illusion took hold for me, that the internet and worldwide sharing of music would break down the old models. If I could just get enough followers on whichever new platform I was supposed to be on, I could operate outside the record label machine. I would build my own audience. I fully abandoned the idea of getting a manager or label support and championed the idea of the indie musician. I would do it all myself. I bought into the idea that the internet and the developing worlds of social media would be a place where my voice could be as loud or louder if I just figured out how to properly operate the levers. 15 years later, I realized that I was just basically joining a massive, confusing swarm of voices all speaking at the same time. Without gatekeepers, no listener was being guided along an artist's path. That megaphone became reversed. It just became a game of who could yell the loudest in the brightest, shiniest way for the briefest amount of time, all funneled into one jangly mess. Those songs that I had been writing that were three-plus minutes long were lost if I couldn't grab an ear in the first ten seconds. Fifteen years ago, everything sped up until March of 2020, when it stopped. But it didn't stop. It just transformed. In the first month of the current pandemic, it felt like the world had gone a little bit silent, at least in my perception of it. Then, in relatively short order, I watched colleagues and friends and peers jump onto live streaming services to try to regain lost wages due to the shutdowns. I absolutely understood why this needed to happen, but I didn't know left from right that first month and knew I had no business joining in. I felt shock, horror, anxiety, and fear those first four weeks. In addition, 
there was an overwhelm of misinformation. I don't really know how to end this essay or really what it's about. I feel like I'm rambling and I want to stop. I've still got this quiet voice, the one I had when I first joined in the great joyous and complaining chorus that social media platforms are. I don't think I have the enthusiasm anymore to figure out how it all works. Things are speeding up, and maybe I am slowing down. It's okay, because it means there's more space in my day now for hearing my own quiet voice. Noise. Noise. Yeah. That's what every girl wants to be. That's nice. Right. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. So some pretty cool points in there. I think the 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 first thing talking about Spotify and like the the, the promise of like you know the internet and social media and like this is like it's it's supposed to be empowering and all this other stuff and and then suddenly we do realize that like gatekeepers, although we hated them to a certain degree, there was. I don't know if I hated them, just like, well, it's confused by like how to have get access. They're a gatekeeper and they become an obstacle. Yeah. You know, and then, and then also like the, we almost, we talked about it a little bit. We kind of hinted at it and and the talk about, is that your chair? It's my chair. What is wrong with you? Cause it, it sounds so like creepy, a creepy old house. Okay, I'll just. You live in a modern New York style apartment in Baltimore City. There's nothing creepy about this. Keep going. We, you hate the gatekeepers. Well, no, I don't hate. (laughs) You hate all the gatekeepers. No, well, but the thing about like looking at your Spotify numbers and then also thinking about Spotify and all this other stuff, it's it's. I can't say 100. It's designed to make us feel bad about ourselves, but that certainly is a side effect of it. Right. Where you start thinking like, well, why, why is, why are they getting all those streams and I'm not? And you know, and then we start a, a assigning value to a number and all this other stuff. And, and 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 the thing about the internet was like, it's like I thought like, wow, we have access like seven, eight billion people on the planet, like, and a a lot of them have internet <laughs> connections. You have access to all these people. And you said it really great. It was like suddenly it just became this big mess, this bit, this reverse kind of effect, and you know, and, and and with Spotify and stuff like that, and even you know Facebook and all that. It's not even about like people being able to see what you're doing because it's an algorithm that controls it. Yeah, it's. I mean, I feel like it's been definitely something is so shadowy and hidden from me about it, especially with live streaming because I've been doing this live streaming thing since April, and there's no rhyme or reason the video that i put up this week same exact time same exact format 190 Mm -hmm. views whatever views means whereas three weeks ago that one's like at 600 and it's just like i don't understand i don't understand um yeah it's it it's weird to be now i i Thinking about this topic, I thought deeply about how I'm a decade and a half into using social media and to participating. And I go through this like, sometimes I really love it because I'll, I'll have a live stream and somebody sent me a message this week that said, thank you for destigmatizing yeah. suicidal ideation and talking about it openly and like shared their story with me. Right. And that's a 
that's a very powerful connection. And I've had those at live shows where people have come up and said intimate things to me about their lives. Mm-hmm. And I don't know them. They're complete strangers. And what a what a gift that is. Yeah. Um, but it just feels like I feel really, really lost in it all. Yeah. And I just... I think after 15 years, I'm just like, why am I doing this anymore? Why have I put so much energy? And I put a lot of energy over the last eight months into it because of distraction. Like that was part of it. It's just like, oh, this is, this is just for distraction. Mm-hmm. But I don't even like the way that I'm being distracted because all of the distracting is just making me feel worse about myself sure, sure. and unaccomplished. And like I'm swimming against this massive tide that or the jangly mess. I just feel like I don't, I don't even know the thing that could pierce through all the hours and time that I've practiced and played and worked on my voice, my actual singing voice. It's, I don't know. I'm I'm feeling very, very lost in it. And when I thought about the megaphone, like that's what it feels like. It's just like a reverse megaphone. It's gathering all of this noise and funneling it into like, one terrible stream. Right. And I just like, I don't know. Well, and there doesn't seem to be a listener. An... That noise you're hearing is a guinea pig getting a drink. Which one is it? It's, it's Denny. Denny. He's super thirsty. Yeah. He's been, he's been at the salt lick all day. <laughs> he's been at the lick. He's been just... <laughs> yeah. That's very funny because they do like, you can give a guinea pig a salt lick. I'm sure you can. I'm sure, I'm sure they would be on it like you wouldn't like you read about, you know. Um, I think uh, James Baldwin has a quote about guinea pigs. Guinea pigs, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, well, and it's a precarious time for a lot of folks. I mean, that's the reason why we do this podcast is so we can sit across from each other and be like, don't give up. Yeah, because it's a, you know, I go back to my war of attrition. Like, well, because because I don't think that people want us to succeed. I, I Some people do. Mm. Jim Baker, I know you do. But, but, but the, the mass of people out there. But that's just like, to me, it's so, that is, I hate to interrupt, but I'm going that's to. That's okay. Yeah. It's, it's very anti- white male of you. Thank you. I don't, that's it's, not a thank you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're welcome. Insult. I mean, you're welcome. <laughs> okay. It's antithetical to the fact that I don't think that that's a zero sum game. Mm-hmm. It's just that I'm but maybe that's what the point of me writing that essay was, is that I, I'm starting to be convinced that per, my participation in these games is a zero-sum game because I'm losing out. I'm totally losing out. And I have a finite amount of time on this planet sure. to live and breathe and experience and see things. And I'm sort of devastated when I think about the amount of time that I have offered both Facebook and Instagram. Oh, sure, yeah. And and also understanding my own tendency to um, slip into addictive behaviors. Mm-hmm. I'm very susceptible to that. And it's like, I'm, I wanna break free from it, but I, I, I don't have another person who can manage that for me and I'm not sure that I, you know what I mean? Like, sure. it's just like, so, I mean, that's why you and I have talked very deeply about like the, the changes that we're going to be making going forward in our in our lives in the future, and I'm making a big yeah. one next year, hopefully. Um, yeah. But it's, I don't know. I just. Bleh. Well, it's it's also like how how do you view it? Do you, I, I'm 
I've been trying to distance myself from Spotify in terms of listening to it and, and feeling like, yeah, this is my access point. Like there are plenty of people who put up, you know, mixed clouds, um, you know, radio show mixes and stuff like that that I can subscribe to and listen to mm-hmm. and, and then go out and find those artists, like, you know, go old school and find out what it is. And those are things that are curated hopefully by a human being, not just from their own Spotify playlist. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there is a way through that path. Um, to me, Spotify is just an access point for people to access my music conveniently if they need to. I, you know, it, it'd be great if I had a soul crushing number of like, you know, 4 billion streams and all that. But at, at the end of the day, I also like... I would crush your soul? Other other artists' souls. Oh. Um, <laughs> not mine. Um, I should have said other artists' soul crushing numbers. But like, but at the same time, it's like, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it literally, literally does not matter. But that's the, that's where the conflict is for me because... I have been writing about recovery for the last almost eight years. Mm -hmm. And when I hear songs that I perceive to be about somebody recovering from whatever, it, what is that noise now? Uh, They're, they're building some sort of makeshift ladder to escape the guinea pig enclosure. (laughs) (laughs) They've developed opposable digits. I want to be that voice for somebody. And, oh, you are. And I also did think, you not hear my essay? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. That that's the that's the thing that actually feels a little bit painful is that I feel like there's a wider audience that I can't seem to break through to. That this could be really really good, mm-hmm. um, and not and I have no problem with like the fact that the internet is full of frivolous things. I like frivolous things, and I love that distraction of it. Mm-hmm. Lenny and Danny, are you listening to this? The social media part of it is that it becomes very comparative, as you said, and yeah. depressing. Um, so yeah, I feel like it fills us with self doubt. Yeah, I mean which, these are which is which is just a, a conversation that we make up in our heads. Like that's the thing. Like you know, uh, we've talked about relationships and stuff, and 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 I can tell you that one one of my great, greatest faults in, in the demise of my marriage was that I was having a one-sided argument in my head as I was driving home to have a conversation with my now ex-wife. So I had all the answers in my head. I knew exactly what they thought. And it's the same thing when you do booking. You, you, you send an email out and nobody responds. So you just, you start to create this narrative like, well, they must think I suck. And then you amplify that over and over and over and over again. I think again. that we're probably susceptible to that in ways that other people are not. Yeah. Because it's hard to do what we do. Yeah. I mean, like I had a conversation when I was um, last year, I was part of a theater troupe for a production at Baltimore Theater Project. The theater troupe is called Havenstance Theater. And one of the puppeteers involved in it, Alex Vernon, after the show, we were having a group conversation about having to explain to like friends and relatives that when you're in a production, it is so intense, like training for an Olympic sport that if you can explain to your family that they need to check in on you mm-hmm. and just be encouraging and that that's better than like flowers or, yeah. you know, gifts of any kind, just simply being like, Hey, break a leg, have a great show. Yeah. I believe in you. Um, that type of like support is real. Um, 
And I've forgotten why I brought that up. What you said to, to spark that. I don't even remember now. <laughs> oh, well. It was, it was probably something brilliant that I said. <laughs> I guess we'll go back and I'll listen to this yeah. when, I post, when we post we'll it on post Monday. It, it but no, I think, it's, I think you're absolutely right that we, we, you know. Oh, it's because we do something that is. You're, you're, you're most vulnerable when you do this. Yes. It, that is a very vulnerable profession to be in. Yeah. And not that other professions aren't vulnerable. It's just that it's, it's kind of like being a raw nerve yeah. all the time. Because you're a raw nerve when you're trying to create and explore. And then if you're performing it. The only time I'm not a raw nerve is like when I was earlier this week wearing my non-pajamas <laughs> and watching terrible, terrible television. <laughs> That's right. Ugh. Anyway. Well, well, yeah, we're going to have to wrap this up. Yeah. We're, we're at the, we're at the, the cusp. Um, so, Alan Cherry, if I wanted to experience some of your raw nerves... Where would I go? You would go to ellencherry.bandcamp.com and you can um, purchase music there. So Bandcamp, I think both of us are going to continue to be champions of Bandcamp because yep. it's they're starting a live streaming service in 2021. They um, seem to be very artist support driven. Yep. So you can find me there and you can become an executive producer by going to ellencherry.bandcamp.com slash subscribe. And um, you will become an executive producer if you subscribe of all of my artistic projects, including cool. this one. Ooh. What? That's yeah. great. I mean, basically, that's what people are supporting. They're supporting all of the work that I do. What about you? Where's your stuff, including your new records? Well, as, as weird as it may be, you can find my stuff at junestar.bandcamp.com. That's J-U-N-E-S-T-A-R.bandcamp.com. And you, just, you put a forward slash and subscribe, and you can get the... Uh, all the stuff that I do for five dollars a month. It's uh, a lot. It's a lot of stuff. There's, there's like two years worth of listening on there. Easily, yeah. And uh, this year, I'm 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 just writing as many songs as I possibly can. Right now, I'm averaging probably about like one every three days. Um, so I'm gonna try to keep. I'm just gonna keep that that groove going. I gotta write some songs tomorrow. I'm gonna try to write two tomorrow so I can take Sunday off. But nice. Um, yeah, you know. But uh, also my new record, Andrew Grimm, A Little Heat, is on there. And we got the word that we're going to get mentioned in the Best of 2020 wrap-up of an American Songwriter magazine, which is surprising. Um, Good but, for you. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate that. And I look forward to seeing exactly what it is they write. Because I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to say. They're going to be like, Ellen Cherry on backing vocals is like the revelation of this record. The most, <laughs> the most amazing part are all the other people other than Andrew Grimm. <laughs> That's what they're going to say. So, anyhow. well, They're going to praise you like they should. Like they should. I, that was a song, wasn't it? Yeah, it was two yeah. songs, actually. Wow. What a world. What a world we live in. That's amazing. I feel like... Are you, are you okay? I'm okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> Here, this is what I sound like. Yeah, you're just creaking along, are you? <laughs> just just going to see what happens. Yeah. I'm going to keep practicing my Bach yeah. and my guitar and yes. hanging out with guinea pigs and hanging out with you. Sounds cool. And I, I really cannot complain about the riches that my life has brought me in the last 45 years and what I hope for the next 45. So. It's, it's not about complaining. It's hoping that you can do something with it. Yes. I hope I am doing something with you it. You are. 
Thanks. You're a, you're a, a sound and story alchemist now. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm testing it out. It's, I don't know. Yeah, maybe I should, should stick to songs. Yeah. Maybe I should just shut up and sing. <laughs> Touche. On that note. All right. Bye. Bye. See ya. Ooh, disco, I like it.